Good morning, everyone, and a very warm welcome to Hillhead at the Grosvenor. Our service this morning will be led by our Minister Katrina, and as ever, everything that we need to follow the service is both on our printed order of service and on the screen. This will be an all-age service for Harvest, although the Kelvin Suite is available uh, right through the service for any little ones who might want to burn off some energy there. <coughs> and there are also the Thank you, Anne. Everything we're going to be sharing today comes from the material supplied by Operation Agri, which includes all the hymns, the call to worship. They didn't actually give us a Bible reading this year. I had to search out my own Bible reading, um, the video and, and the quizzes adapted from theirs. I'm hoping my voice will hold out. Um, if it doesn't, it'll be a very short service. Some words from Isaiah chapter 1. Learn to do right. See that justice is done. Help those who are oppressed. Give orphans their rights. And defend widows. And so our opening hymn is one chosen by Operation Agri as a, a harvest hymn of our time. For the fruits of all creation thanks be to God. And if you're able to stand as we sing, you're invited to do so.
so we come to God in prayer, and after I've guided us in a prayer, we will join together in the Lord's Prayer, as always in the version, the language that feels the most normal and natural for each of us. So let's pray together. <coughs> God of all creation, today we pause amidst the busyness of our lives to celebrate your outrageous generosity, glimpsed in the abundance of the harvest, at least when we think on a global scale. We think of the foods we've enjoyed eating over the past week and the many nations in which the crops were grown, the animals raised or the fish caught. We think also of the wonderful colours of the autumn, leaves turning to red and gold, yellow and brown, tumbling horse chestnuts, ripe blackberries in garden or hedgerow, crisp apples, windfallen or picked from the tree. God of the autumn, we thank you for warm homes, for cosy mittens and steaming hot drinks, for favourite walks, curling up with books or activities shared with our friends. <coughs> God of all creation, even as we delight in your generous providing, we know that all is not well in our world, that, on a global scale, we have not been good stewards of creation. We think of the food we've thrown away because we kept it too long or simply bought too much. The excessive packaging we discard, perhaps to recycle and perhaps not, the choices we've made carelessly and selfishly without considering their impact on others or on our planet. We think of those whose crops have failed due to flood or drought, disease or war. We call to mind plastic-choked oceans, animals trapped and injured by human waste forests raised to the ground to service our greed. God of the autumn, we confess that sometimes we're so concerned with our own here and now that we forget about the wider world and the impact of our choices on other people, animals, plants and ecosystems. Please forgive us and help us to live more and more responsibly. <coughs> God of all creation, who endlessly forgives and restores, help us to mean the words we say as we join our voices in the prayer Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come.
to have a little quiz now and as I say it's based on the one from Operation Agri but you know I gave it a bit of a hell head twist because why not so I think we're all of us pretty familiar with the flag <coughs> of Nepal did you know though that this flag is one of the oldest in the world and the basic design was actually around at the time that Jesus was walking on the earth imagine that most flags are maybe 100 years old, but this one, about 2,000 years old. But do you know what any of it stands for? Do you know what any of the colours and symbols mean? Because it's a very complicated flag to read. Margaret? The, the red is the national colour of Nepal. Um, it is their national colour, but do you know why it's their national colour? Why they've chosen it to represent them? You're absolutely right. Um, it actually represents their courage. It's a colour for courage of their people. Anybody else know what anything might be that's on there? Even if you don't know what it represents, um, what it stands for, what's on there that you can see? Okay. It is Sunday, after all. So the blue border represents the unity of the Nepali people. If you turn the flag on its side... What do you think the two triangles might represent? Mountains. Mountains, yeah, that's right. They represent the Himalayas. I didn't know that. Oh. I went, oh yeah, that's kind of obvious once somebody tells you, isn't it? <coughs> so at the top is a moon. Any idea what the moon represents? Okay, so the moon is for calm, and it's also for the coldness of the winter. It's very cold in Nepal in the winter. And at the, so that, sorry, uh, and the other one is the sun. The bottom one of the sun is, 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 is the sun. And the sun stands for the heat of the summer. And it also stands for the, for the tenacity of the Nepali people. Who knew? Interesting flag with all sorts of meanings. And it, of course, as we all know, it's the only flag in the world that's not rectangular. But I wasn't going to ask you that question because it's just like we all know that. Okay. This is um, an overlay of a map of Nepal and part of the United Kingdom mainland. Nepal is roughly, in terms of area, half the size of the UK mainland. So it's roughly the same area as Scotland or roughly the same area as England and a little <coughs> bit of Wales. <coughs> the population of Scotland is around about five and a half million and the population of England is around about 10 times that at 56 million. What do you think the population of Nepal might be? I'll give you a clue. It's somewhere between them. More than five and a half and less than 56. 15, good try. Not right, but good try. 
20, getting closer. 26 is very close, Joyce. 30 is just too high. It's 29 million people. So about half the population, or two-thirds of the population of England. Um, it's about five times as many people as in Scotland in the same area. Okay. Now, this is a word that gets used a lot. Namaste. It's a greeting used in Nepal. It's a greeting used in a lot of Eastern countries and Hindu countries. But does anybody know what it means? I say to you, namaste. What does it mean? Um, it's, a bit, it's not quite peace, actually. It's kind of got an essence of peace in it, but um, I thought I heard somebody else up here. No? It actually literally translates as, I bow to you. Um, but it's often interpreted as meaning the divine in me greets the divine in you. So that's really quite nice, isn't it? So namaste. 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 Okay, which mountain is this? That was an easy question, wasn't it? Okay, right, okay. Now, can you tell me its name in Nepali? I can tell you what the name in Nepali means in English. It means the forehead of the sky. It's Sagamartha. So Mount Sagamartha. When they were naming Everest formally, they discovered that Nepali people and the Tibetan people didn't have a consistent name for this mountain, and different communities called it different names. So much to his chagrin, and all credit to him for having a bit of chagrin, a man called George Everest had it named after him. <laughs> he was a surveyor in, in India. Um, he didn't really want the mountain to be named after him, but there we go. So it actually is named after an Englishman. I'm allowed to tell you that. Sorry about that. Okay, here are some goats. And goat's wool is used to make things like this. This is actually a Cretan one. It's not a Nepali one. Uh, but what, what do we call this? A shawl, yeah. Do you know what the, there's another name for it that begins with a P. A pashmina, and they're lovely and soft, and they're made from goat's wool. And that's one of the things that people in Nepal like to make. Now, who likes easy peeler oranges? Right, Joyce, can you catch? Oh, oh sorry, Walter. Anybody else would like a, a, a nice easy peel orange? I'll come a bit closer. Right, Bonnie. <laughs> I would not make the England cricket team, would I? <laughs> Looks like you're going to have to have that one, uh, one here. Anybody else like an orange? I have three left and I promise not to throw them. <laughs> Katrina. Anybody else? Two oranges. Jean. Go on then. Oh, you can share with more. Okay. There we go. Okay, you're allowed to eat them if you'd like to. Great things, aren't they, these little oranges? I wish these ones came from Nepal. They didn't. They came from Sainsbury's. <laughs> they actually came from South Africa. But mandarins are one of the things that is grown in Nepal. <coughs> Excuse me. But can you think of any of the other vegetables and plants that they grow there? If, you read your, if you've read your key, you're, you're, you should be up on this one, because I noticed it was mentioned in what Anne wrote for us in the key. Okay, so they grow mushrooms, they grow mustard, rice, corn, soya beans, and sunflower. So it's quite possible that some of the um, oil-based things we get in this country have their origins in Nepal. So next time you're in the supermarket and you're looking at some sunflower oil or something soya-based, have a look and see where it comes from. It could just come from Nepal. Okay, I have another visual aid here. I'm not going to use it, you're okay. A brand new toothbrush and my little travel toothpaste that um, went to Crete and back. 
Operation Agri is doing a big project on dental hygiene at the moment. And I think this, you know, it's interesting, Graham, because <coughs> excuse me, Stuart worked in, in dental work in Nepal going away back. So there's still ongoing work there. So here's a question. If you're brushing your teeth, how long should you brush them for? Bonnie's got a hand up. Two minutes. Absolutely spot on, Bonnie. I think you can have a prize of my <laughs> brand new... I promise you this is a brand new toothbrush. It just came out of the packet this morning. Um, you can always give it to your mum if you don't fancy it, but, you know, it's a nice purple toothbrush. I'm sure you can find a use for it for something. Two minutes. Right, who brushes their teeth for two minutes every morning and every night? And how many of those of us is because we've got an electric toothbrush that times it for us? <laughs> Some of us. Okay. It's quite a long time, isn't it? Apparently, the average person in the USA brushes their teeth for how long, do you think? Very close, Ken. 25 seconds is the average in the USA. I don't know what it is in the UK, but 25 seconds for US people. So most people probably need to brush their teeth for four times as long as they do. I just thought I'd end by showing you some Nepali numbers, some Nepalese numbers. Um, some of them look quite a lot like ours, and some of them look quite different from ours, don't they? It gets quite tricky, I think, when you get their number seven. Oops, sorry, wrong thing. Here we go. Their number seven looks remarkably like our number six, and their number eight, not unlike our number seven. So they have a different set of numbers, and they have a different alphabet, but they also learn Western alphabet and Western numbers. Now, they use a different calendar from us, and a bit like um, the West, where we calculated backwards to where we thought Jesus was born and set that as naught and went off again, they did something different. They, they um, calculated back to another important date of somebody and they came up with what they called the Vikram Samvat calendar. And that is 57 years ahead of ours. So, if it's 2019 for us... What year is it for them in their calendar? So tw 2019 plus 57. Now, I know you're not on The Apprentice, so I know you can all do basic arithmetic. Okay, I've heard a few people say it. Just want to say it out loud so we can hear? 2076, correct. Well done. So that's just a bit of fun, a bit of, of um, a, a trivia quiz to help us to get into thinking about Nepal, a beautiful country a diverse country, a country of great traditions and great stories, a country that grows all sorts of crops and an exciting country. And it is a country in which there is a thriving Baptist church movement. And Operation Agri, doing what they always do, thought it might be good for us to do some... Sing Am I singing? I'm getting myself confused here. No, yes, we are. It's all right. I've got my things in the wrong place. Right, there we go. We're going to sing... This is the day. We're going to sing it in English. And then we're going to sing it in Nepali or Nepalese. And the answer is you just sing confidently. This is a, <laughs> a transliteration of it. So just sing it with real gusto. If you get really stuck, just go sausages, 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 sausages. It'll be fine. And then we'll sing it again in English at the end. Thanks, Paul. <laughs>
home of the Himalayas, Operation Agri is helping people in the mountains south of Kathmandu. They are learning for life, new ways to improve health and livelihoods. These people face many challenges. The Multipurpose Community Development Service, MCDS, travel roads prone to landslides to reach the villages they are helping. They are from the Nepal Baptist Church Council, praying how to help people with Operation Agri support. Amen. Huge earthquakes four years ago destroyed many homes and schools. This school was rebuilt with concrete floors and bare walls, so MCDS gave carpets for children to sit on, plus posters, paints, number charts and the Pali alphabet board but also the English alphabet. They now really enjoy coming to school. In this steep landscape, terraced fields are carved out of slopes for growing crops. MCDS have given training in making a shelter to grow vegetables protected from cold and heavy rain. Mendo Tamang now aims to grow crops like onions and tomatoes to sell to market traders. She is very grateful for the help and advice. I would like to thank MCDS for providing professional vegetable training. The whole village now knows how to earn money through vegetable farming. I learned how to grow seed in the nursery and protect seedling in the tunnel shelter, also how to manure vegetables and ways of making organic pesticide. Animal manure is valuable for crops. Some people have buffaloes, and MCDS gave training on how to keep them well-fed and healthy. Buffalo milk is richer than cow's milk and sells well for making yogurt and butter. Ah, the bus is here. Nearly ready. Help Dad load it on the bus to take and sell in town. In this village, the women are gathering for a health talk. MCDS are telling them about caring for your teeth. In the past, people might use a stiff grass stem and a bit of mud to clean teeth. But bad teeth can cause bad breath. And if you don't clean properly, then toothache can be a problem. The only village dentist care may be to pull out a rotten tooth. So brushing the right way is important. The MCDS team give out brushes and fluoride toothpaste. Then it's time to practice and with much laughter. Pray for the MCDS team as they show Christian love in action. A lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what's written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, you've given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. 
So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while travelling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. He then put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I'll repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. so much. When I was in Paris a couple of years ago, three or four years ago now, I was going out to see Christine at her church and I had a very heavy suitcase and I got to the nearest metro to where the French Baptist Union is and I was lugging this case up the stairs. And without a word, a young man came up behind me, took my case, carried it up the steps and set it at the top. I have a friend who I will call Louise, though that is not her true name, who lives in Airdrie. And a couple of times a year, when Louise goes to do her supermarket shop, she will nip past the person in front of her just as they finish checking the items and she pays for it. Who is the neighbour? The reflection I'm going to share today is really a reflection that I needed to make. It may not be a reflection you need to make and that's fine but it was the way I felt led to explore this text. <coughs> you see, we're here again, celebrating the gift of harvest, giving thanks to God for the food that we enjoy. And we're thinking about the work of Operation Agri as we do most years, and we are participating in a very important appeal to support their work. And it is really important but for me, at least, it's very familiar. And if I'm really honest, it's kind of easy not to think about it very much, just to go through the motions, do what I always do, give what I always give. And the same's true with the Bible story that we just heard. Some of you, like me, are old enough to remember the Riding Lights version of it. Ring any bells? The parable of the good punk rocker. 
on the train from London to York. Trains don't make that noise anymore. I guess it doesn't work. And the social worker who was smoking, who would say, I really care about these kids. We were trying to make it contemporary, trying to help us engage with the story, trying to help us to see what it really meant. Trouble is, I've been hearing that story for 50 years, and it no longer surprises me. A couple of weeks ago, the Pray As You Go prayer reflection, which I use to help me in my own spiritual devotions, took an angle on this story, which I found helpful. And so I'm going to use that as the basis of what I share today. The story begins with a very devout, very knowledgeable man coming to Jesus with a question about salvation. What must I do to inherit eternal life? The Gospel writer tells us his motive at best was one of mischief. He was trying to test Jesus, to trap him, to see if he could trip him up, to see if Jesus would say something unorthodox. Because the man knew fine well what the answer was. And he knew that Jesus knew the answer too. And so when Jesus turned the question back to him, the man had no problem answering. Quick as a flash, didn't even need to think about it. He gave the right answer. The one he'd learned at his mother's knee. The one he probably recited week in, week out at synagogue ever since. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul and with all your strength. And love your neighbour as you love yourself. I can almost imagine a twinkle in Jesus' eye, a smile playing on his lips as he looks at the man and said, yeah, that's right. And if you do this, you'll live. Effectively, what he says to the man is, look, you know the answer. So just go and, and put it into practice. And I found myself wondering, is that what Jesus says to me? Katrina, you know the answers. You even have the audacity to stand up on a Sunday and preach the answers. But are you living those answers? The Gospel writer tells us the man wanted to justify himself, something we usually perceive as negative as if he's still trying to be clever, trying to get one over on Jesus. Perhaps we imagine him looking around at the crowd, playing the audience. But pray as you go, showed me another possibility. Is it possible that in the interaction with Jesus, he realized that although he knew the words, although he recited them often, he hadn't perhaps ever, certainly for a long time, really thought about what they meant. Maybe who is my neighbour is not a trick question after all, but actually a slow realisation that knowing the right answer isn't enough. He needed to work out how to turn it into action. By way of an answer, Jesus told him a story, a story in which various characters act in various ways, a story in which at least as much is unsaid as is, is said. It's a story often twisted by moralists to make the Levite and the priest into the baddies, when actually Jesus makes no such claim. He simply notes that they behaved in accordance with the law avoiding contact with what might have been a dead body. Because if they had, they wouldn't have been able to carry out their daily work. Just imagine if you were waiting for the priest to come, and he couldn't come because he'd touched a dead body. And so whatever it was you needed him to do, he couldn't. 
the story is designed to shock us because the person who acts as a neighbour is so unexpected, a despised other, a feared outsider. Well, we all know that. We've heard it hundreds of times. And there are Sunday school teachers, youth workers and preachers and Riding Lights Theatre Company who've tried to find contemporary equivalents to the Samaritan. As if, somehow, if we could just nail down who it is that is the, the Samaritan equivalent, we'll finally get it. We know the story. We know what it means. But if I'm honest, I still sometimes, perhaps often, struggle to live it out. Perhaps because we know this story so well. Perhaps because we're fixed on the idea of the neighbour as the outsider, we miss the important kernel of truth that the teacher of the law names. It's not about the race, or the gender, or the sexuality, or the politics, or the taste in music, or anything else that makes the person the true neighbour. It's what they do. The unexpected and unasked for generosity of time, energy, emotion, and in this case, money. And it challenges me because it reminds me I have to put myself in the place of the Samaritan, not the place of the religious official. How easy it is for me to say I'm often about doing God's work so I can't, when actually this parable says, yeah, you should. The Samaritan stopped. He tended to the immediate needs of the injured man and he went out of his way to take him to a place of safety. He either abandoned or deferred his own plans. And he cared enough about the injured man and about the innkeeper that he undertook to pay whatever was needed. I'd like to suggest this man was more than just generous. He was reckless. And he was more than just kind. He was merciful. And Jesus said to the teacher of the law, if that's your answer, if you say the Samaritan is the neighbour, then you go and do likewise. What, me? Me, get involved in the grubby messiness of life. Me, allow my plans to be disrupted in order to help someone I don't even know. Me, give my money to pay the medical bills of a stranger or the hotel bill. Me be the one who lives out the unexpected kindness of strangers. This is typical Jesus, really. It's tough teaching, and it makes me squirm. And I have to rack my brain quite hard to think, when have I truly been a neighbour to someone else? When have I given my time, my energy, my money, even my purity to help somebody I don't know? Somebody who perhaps I found troubling and who certainly could never, ever pay me back. I don't just mean that I stuffed a few quid in an envelope. I mean to the extent that I really felt it. It really messed with my day, with my plans. Stopped me doing something I might otherwise have done. <coughs> the appeal for Operation Agri is really important. And the money we give will make a huge difference to people we will never meet. And please hear me when I say I am not for one moment suggesting that anyone overstretch themselves financially. I'm thinking in general, I'm thinking about myself. And perhaps if it resonates, the invitation is for others to do the same.
What I hear God saying to me is this. You know the answers. You believe the right things. But how are you living it out? How does your believing inform your behaving? Are you doing the right things? Following the letter of the law, though of course we tell we are not under the law, but to some extent we kind of are. Are you doing the right things, but somehow staying aloof from my beloved messy world? Or are you getting in there in some small way, with some people, some projects, giving generously of the bounty I have interested to you? How are you, Katrina, insert your own name if you wish, using your time, your talents, your money? For me, these are really challenging questions, and I continue to try to work them out in my day-to-day decisions. And I think of Louise, who pays for people's shopping. And I think of a young man who carried my case up the stairs. And I also think of a man singing outside a supermarket who just gave me the biggest smile when I handed him a cup of tea. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul and all your strength. And love your neighbour as you love yourself. Learn to do right. See that justice is done. Help those who are oppressed. Give orphans their right and defend widows. May the God of harvest, the God who entrusts us with so much, give each one of us the courage and the confidence to live out the truths that we believe. Amen. So we're going to sing again, Beauty for Brokenness.
So now let's come to God again in prayer. Let's pray. God of creation and recreation. God present in the muddle and the messiness of daily life. We bring to you our prayers for the complex and confusing world of which we are just a tiny part. Today, we give you thanks for the vision and enterprise of Operation Agri, a small charity working with local partners to serve remote communities. We pray for the multi-purpose community development scheme, as they do, as it were, what it says on the tin, advising on health, horticulture and financial management as they seek to be neighbours to those they serve in Nepal, may they be enabled to fulfil their aims. More widely, we're invited by BMS World Mission to pray for their work in Albania, working with some of the most marginalised people, offering support to Albanian teachers in schools and colleges, and providing physiotherapy to children with multiple <coughs> and complex disabilities. May compassion and love inform all their endeavours as they seek to reach out to their neighbours in Christ's name. And we remain in Eastern Europe as the EBF invites us to uphold in prayer our fellow believers in Russia. We know little or nothing about them other than their faithfulness. But they are known to you and we entrust them to your safekeeping. Closer to home, the Baptist Union of Scotland invites us to focus our attention on the churches at Nairn, New Prestwick and Newton Mounds. May each of these congregations know your unfailing love and be open to the gently disturbing presence of your spirit as they seek to be neighbours to their local communities. For my own prayer diary, we pray for Emma and Drew, thinking of them as they spend time with family in England. And we give thanks for Emma as she leads our Sunday school. We also pray for Wendy, delighting in her creativity, steadfastness and sense of fun. May she know your nearer presence day by day. Especially at this time, we pray for Nancy and the family following the death of Douglas. Whilst we recognise that there is a sense of release and of completion, there is also a huge sense of loss and a void that cannot be filled. As we entrust Douglas to the certainty of your promises, the hope of life everlasting, we also pray for the family in this time of separation and grief, that they would know your nearer presence that your love would surround them and you would strengthen them for each moment they face. Lastly, in a few moments of quiet, we bring our own prayers. Maybe topics who have, which have not been mentioned aloud. Maybe for situations or concerns that only we know. But whether these are national, international or private, we bring them to you, knowing that you hear us, even when words fail. God of creation and recreation. God who promises hope and a future. Accept our prayers 
and accept our lives as we do our best to live out our beliefs day by day, being a neighbour and allowing others to be neighbours to us. Amen. accept these are gifts of money, those to be used here and those to be used elsewhere. May they bring blessing as they are used for your purposes. Amen. So our closing hymn, again chosen by Operation Agri, our God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, our shelter from the stormy blast and our eternal home.
triune God, creating, redeeming and sustain us. Keep us and all creation secure in the unfailing hope we have in Christ, today and always. Thank you.